Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Do please help me welcome my guest on tonight. How are you guys doing tonight? Excited awesome. to be here. Oh, so we, we are the four men carrying the lame man, and we're looking forward to Come breaking on. the roof of religion, breaking the roof of limitation and bondage, and letting down the lame man to help get people to Jesus. So we're excited about tonight. Come, Come on, on man. man. I'm so excited. I texted him early. I said, honestly, guys, it's just fun to get on here, hang out and talk and share. And then other people can glean on what God is doing because God is doing something very specific, very special with all four of us right now in the body of Christ. There is an online revival happening. And those that have Come ears, on. those that can sense what the spirit is saying are getting on board. Now, others are just doing what they've always done, but something is shaking. I feel like guys right now in the Holy Spirit, something is shaking, something is changing, mm. something is breaking and God is reaching the un reachable through online god is reaching the unreachable through these broadcasts and just starting we'll go alexander uh, mike and then vlad they're all pastors guys but they're friends of mine so it feels weird being like pastor alexander pastor mike pastor vlad but we're going to go from alexander to mike to vlad they'll intro themselves and then we'll jump right into it well god bless you this is alexander pagani lead pastor of amazing church located here in the south bronx uh, new york city we are under the covering of jabula life and we're excited to be here as normal we, 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 we are a favorite here i love being Come here on. and i'm excited to be here with my brothers and anticipating on what god is going to do tonight specifically if this topic is absolutely essential and needed because we are four pastors here and if and we need to make sure that we cover ourselves and make sure that we hold ourselves accountable mm -hmm. to make sure that they that we break the stereotype and the statistic of pastors falling so i'm excited about what god's going to say and do and and minister here tonight on this broadcast so awesome on, go I for it mike well, hey, I'm Mike Signorelli. I'm also holding it down here in New York City. I'm actually representing mm -hmm. Long Island right now. And actually, I have the Amityville Horror House right over my shoulder. And so ain't no ghost but the Holy Ghost Come in the on. room with me right now. <laughs> but I'm the lead pastor of V1 Church. And it's such an honor to be one of these supernatural Ninja Turtles on the screen today. And I, <laughs> I'm just Ninja believing turtles. that, you know, so, somebody's going to watch on the share and they're going to be healed from some traumatic events that occurred as a result of some other pastor's failure. And, you know, mm -hmm. just because you had a bad meal doesn't mean you stop eating food Come on. for the rest mm. of your life. Just because you had a bad church experience doesn't so mean that good. it's still not God's plan A for the saving of the world. So tonight we're going to break some chains. Come on, come on. And my name is Vlad. Uh, I'm with Was at Washington State not Washington DC, but Washington state and, uh, not in Seattle, a little bit over the mountains. Um, I started the ministry here under my uncle who is still the, my covering and the senior pastor. Uh, we started as a youth group and then it grew into the adult church. And so, uh, about three years ago, I transitioned into the lead pastor. And so I've been in ministry for a very long time. And so I'm really excited for this opportunity to hear and to share. And I think a lot of young pastors and people just in ministry in general, because every Christian is a minister. You might not have a full-time ministry, okay. but you're called to, the Bible says, you know, go into all the world, preach the gospel. And it says, those who believe will cast out demons. It doesn't say those who are called to preach, those who are called to evangelize, but those who believe. So if you're watching 
that means you're in ministry already. You might not be in a full-time ministry, but you're in ministry of deliverance, especially if you're on Isaiah's map. You're in ministry of healing. You're in ministry of preaching the gospel. And so we're really excited to share things, to mm -hmm. learn. And I believe that God's going to do some amazing things tonight. And again, what you just said, Vlad, these things are not just applicable to pastors and leaders, but this literally applies, what we're going to talk about applies to every single person. And the reason why we're really doing this is number one, I've never had anybody or heard a broadcast where pastors got on there and said, let's talk about the elephant in the room. And that is why are so many pastors falling? Like why are people that are preaching that God is powerful, that God wants us to live holy, that God wants to walk us to walk in righteousness in one side. And guys, I know we're we're coming out strong but this is the uh, an alarming thing so at one side they're preaching the right stuff but then there is a complete guys a disconnect between what we mm -hmm. preach and between what we live and right now ministers mm -hmm. are falling at an alarming rate now we saw this again i'm going to mention the names because they're public they're all over everybody knows but we saw the big one obviously with carl lentz then with ravi Zacharias, and several others and people were messaging us all of us, I think, saying, what in the world is going on? How is it possible that these men of God have hundreds of thousands of followers, are leading thousands and thousands of people, but meanwhile mm -hmm. are losing their own faith, losing their own salvation, losing their own passion, and dancing with the devil behind the scenes? And so I think it's fitting that us four ministers come together, talk about why so many people fall. And I think number one thing we got to think about is this, and this is what I want to say out of the gate. I'm going to be, again, as we always are, transparent and open tonight. But the thing about it is guys no one is exempt like not one of us right now on this broadcast this is where we have to remember is exempt in fact I was thinking today of 1 Corinthians 9 27 where Paul said I discipline my body like an athlete training my body to do what it should and this is what Paul says and to me guys in any verse in the Bible this is the most sobering in my mind fear of God verse mm -hmm. I've ever read and this is what Paul says I fear mm -hmm. this is the Apostle Paul that after the preaching that I do to others I myself might be disqualified so Paul says, listen, after all the ministry I'm doing, the live streams, the broadcasting, the preaching, I end up at the end of the race, like this Olympic athlete who crosses the finish line, wins the gold medal, and then four months later, they get a call from the whatever it is that runs the whole Olympic thing and says, hey, by the way, your test results came back. You were on steroids. Not only did you cross the finish line, you've lost your prize and you've been disqualified. After all your training, after all of your work, after all of your effort, after everything you did to run the race well behind the scenes you were cheating and you ended up disqualified and this right here guys this is where we're going many leaders right now are living behind the scenes a secret life of compromise and don't realize that once they cross the finish line that we're going to have to answer to God and so for me I think just starting out is like we have to start out by saying none of us are exempt there's not one of us that are so righteous that have so much good in us that we're not exempt so when I look at these things I'm looking at my own life and applying them going man I'm not exempt from these things I think that seeing in Paul, it says in Corinthians, he says that everyone is building on the foundation, which is Christ. But then he says, watch how you build. Mm. And he begins to use pretty much these six uh, uh, materials. And they're divided into two categories. There's the wood, hay, and straw. And then there's the gold, silver, and precious stones. And if you look at that, the wood, hay, and straw, they're big. They're always found on the ground. They're cheap. And they are common. Hmm. And all you got to do is put a spark and it goes in flames. Hmm. And then if you take the other side of the material, which is gold, silver, precious stones, they're always found underground. They're rare. They're very expensive. And they're always small in quantity. You put them through the fire and they become more expensive. 
They never get destroyed by the fire. And I think that we have to, we all are, every minister is building on Christ, but not every minister is building with Christ. Some of us are building with gifts. Some of us are building with our management abilities. Some of us are building with an amazing college education. And so I think that it's going back to realizing that what's done in private is more important. You know, is, is, is what am I building? Is it coming out of my private place or is it coming out of, and I think it was Revan Hill who said, he said, every man is either living in a secret sin or in a secret place. But somebody has secrets. All of us have secrets. And God wants us to build our life with gold, silver, precious stones. It might not be big. It might not get you, you know, on a Sid Roth TV show or Charisma magazine cover. It might not get you verified on Instagram. It might not get you popular on TikTok. But if it's maybe small, perhaps it's expensive. It takes you hours of fasting, hours of prayer, days of fasting. And then it might not get you right now a lot of publicity. But the issue is that it's going to withstand temptation. It's going to withstand trial. It's going to withstand, difficult, withstand difficulty. And at the end, we're all going to be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. And those rewards are going to be slightly different than the ones we get right now in front of each other, in front of the peers, and in front of other preachers. Oh, my mic was muted. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we could hear you. I could hear you. You know, this topic is very, very interesting. Um, one of the things that Vlad happened to mention is just so key is um, uh, one of the ways that you can kind of guard yourself, at least how I guard myself um, to never get to that place of, um, well, I would say King Saul. You know, King Saul was moving in a function, but the glory had already departed or Eli in the Old Testament is I just learned that I learned to minister out of my overflow and never minister from my cup mm. meaning what's on the inside i never want to deplete myself to the point where now i'm completely empty you know and um mm. and everyone else is just receive you know everyone is receiving and i'm not receiving myself so i have just learned to just minister from my place of overflow. So when I seek the Lord, when I'm pressing into the Lord, it's not because I have to preach on Sunday and it's not because I have to minister. I'm seeking this because I'm absolutely desperately in love with Christ and I need this for my own sustenance. So, so, so everyone that's receiving anything else that's coming from me, they're not getting from what actually is inside my cup. I'm giving them from out of my overflow. I make sure that I'm always, my, my, my integrity is always intact and my, my, my overflow of the Holy Spirit is always in continual overflow of my connection with, with God. And every everyone else gets the byproduct of that not the actual product itself because i never want to get to a place where my cup becomes empty and then um then belshazzar ends up using the cups for him did you catch that revelation those of you that are Come watching so i want to make sure those so of you that good. are watching make sure that you are always being continually filled for you for you for your family for your your continual relationship with the lord and not for everyone else as opposed to what we're seeing uh as that tends to be the epidemic that we're kind of we're kind of seeing in, in in not just from 2000 years ago but all the way up until this this modern time somewhere along the line they began ministering out of their cup and they became empty and then the enemy filled it up with some with a bunch of other stuff and we don't want to do that and we want to inspire every pastor and this is why we're doing this today we want to make sure it. that you, we you say hold it. us accountable we're holding you accountable to make sure that we win our prize at the end according to first corinthians chapter chapter nine wow wow so good so good so good you want to add anything to that mike yeah, you know, if you're watching this right now, pray for your pastor. Yes, Do not so pray on your Go pastor. There. Say. There's a difference between praying for your pastor and praying on your pastor. Your pastor is already an easy target. Your pastor oh, already has a oh. huge bullseye on his forehead. And we need Ouch. to begin to 
talk more to God about our pastor than we do to our friends, you know? And something I wanna say is that when Christianity primarily happens on a stage, you produce performers, mm. but the gospel Good. produces sons and daughters. Come on, and so mm-hmm. whenever you, really what we're seeing today is that we've, you know, David performed for Saul, mm. but he was not a performer because it came from his intimacy with God. And it was mm-hmm. just put, that intimacy on the backside of a hill was put on a stage in front of the king. and. And so right now it's like, you've got guys that have never had the intimacy behind the scenes or, or used to, but that flames went out and, and we've put them on a stage and we've made performers instead of sons and daughters. Honestly. And I always say, it's like, mm. you know, a title is temporary. I'm only the lead pastor of V1 church now. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think right. this, even like children, children are a temporary assignment, right? Mm-hmm. There comes a point where they leave your house. Yes. Your dad forever, but that assignment shifts and you got people treating a title like it's a lifetime position, but the only thing that can last is son or daughter. It's the only permanent position. And so I think we've got to preach the the real unadulterated gospel so that people mm. can get free from performing. That's so good. You know, I think I we, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Vlad. In Psalm uh, 78 and verse 72, it says about David, he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and That's guided it. them by the skillfulness of his hands. And I think that there's, there's, there's these two parts to leadership in Christianity. In the world, you really just have to guide people with a skill. But in, in faith, in what we're doing, the Bible says integrity of his heart. Now, David wasn't necessarily perfect. And if you look at the secret of his integrity, God himself revealed it when he came and he said that, I found a man after my heart. Mm. And so where did he get the integrity? He Bible never God never said that David had God's heart. He was in constant pursuit after God's heart. And then in Psalm, now we see he actually has the heart of integrity. And so I see that for us, the challenge that we have a lot of times is that we think that influence is integrity. Just because we have influence with people, influence is intoxicating because Mm -hmm. influence, it it inflates your self-worth. You know, after a while, when you become more influential, especially when God begins to conform your, your, your ministry with signs and wonders, or like, you know, you, you cast out demons and demons now obey you, it does not mean you have intimacy. You can literally operate out of your identity and never have any intimacy with Christ. Yeah. You can operate out of just the power of, you know, the power of the name of Jesus and cast out demons and still live in sin. Samson did that. Church in Corinth did that. They never lacked any spiritual gifts. And so just because we have fruit or just because we have influence or just because money is coming in, invitations are coming in, just because we got the prophetic words right and we can prophesy paint off the walls, it does not mean we are walking in intimacy with God. It just simply means we might operate in the gifting. We might operate in a particular level of anointing that we've received and we know how to gear it and steer it and operate with it but intimacy is the key to integrity see integrity is a heart issue the bible says that integrity of the heart come on and that heart issue can only come from hunger after intimacy and when we lose intimacy it's a matter of time we will lose integrity we can still operate in our skill we can still operate in our identity we can still do miracles we can still do all of that stuff but right. sooner or later there is going to be no integrity because intimacy is the key to integrity wow wow and not only that what i've noticed is that what comes with influence also is uh the uh we end up becoming slaves to our fan base or to our ministry support system mm-hmm. um, and we end up 
and the, so and the followers that follow our ministry, once we gain influence, instead of uh, using it to shepherd God's people, they become like shareholders, like these these shareholders. So now we get trapped in this this image of what we have to be uh, because we now have this continual following of people mm. and, we, and we tend to lose that audience of one who we're doing it for. Actually, we're doing wow. it for the Lord. We, we tend to lose that intimacy of that God is watching us because we're so focused now that everyone else is watching us that uh -huh. we end up going into that performance based shareholding benefactor mentality, which means I have to perform. I have to perform. I have to continuously make sure that I maintain this actual fan base uh, that is or ministry support system that's actually following us that, we, that the glory begins to actually depart from us wow. and we actually don't even notice that it's gone so now we enter into a form of godliness or a form of ministry but actually mm -hmm. denying the power uh thereof and that's why i'm always making sure and those of you that are watching to make sure that you know with all of the all of the blessing and all of the you know the influence that comes with that to make sure that each night uh, Lord, check my heart. Lord, make mm. sure that I'm doing this for you. Make sure that, that you are the utmost person, uh, supreme person, the preeminence of everything that I'm doing. Because if not, you you can become a slave uh, to your own ministry support fan base or support system that's actually funneling and, and, and supporting your ministry financially. And then you totally miss out that heaven is actually should be the one celebrating us and following and, and, and so exalting good. us. And I think you know, the exactly. biggest, met, okay. go ahead, go ahead. Good. Okay. So I think the biggest thing is, you know, if it, with any of these guys that we're seeing fall, ministers fall, pastors fall, people get hurt, people get abused, stuff happens in the church. Pride, I guess we're talking about already. We can't avoid the fact that pride is always or I would say 99% of the time, a major component why ministers right now that we know, like people we know right now that confide in us that are dealing with secret sin, their pride does not let them admit they're wrong. It does not let them admit they're in sin. And this is what caused, I mean, obviously pride's powerful because it caused Lucifer to fall from heaven. And this is the first sin to ever exist. But here's the reality, guys. Knowledge puffs up, success puffs up, position puffs up, notoriety, come on somebody, puffs up, come on. gaining followers puffs up, all these things put us in spiritual danger if they remain unchecked. So if we don't have something as leaders, pastors, preachers, Christians, if we don't have something to deflate us, because no matter what, I don't care what you say, right. oh brother, it doesn't go to my head, I don't I think about it. it. You're checking the fact that you just hit 100,000 followers. You're checking like, I just hit 200,000. There's something about it that makes you feel good. That's that's the pride of the heart rising up. But the thing is, it's okay if, if you have that as long as you have something to deflate you, something to right. remove the pride because by default, pride tries to instill itself wow. in every single person there's right. not one person ever that says i've never had to deal with it it's not there i i literally will say that and you know what i've said before i'm like i don't deal with pride people say what is the one thing you don't deal with i'm like pride but then you know what i realize that's literally <laughs> a form of pride like to say right. i don't deal with pride is pride because it's so self-righteousness absolutely self-righteousness when you say that and so to not have yeah. stuff in our lives that deflate us we inevitably become victim to this ferocious beast named pride. So people say, well, how do you avoid? I always do this, guys. For me, this is how one of the ways I avoid becoming proud. And I've said this before. You guys have probably heard this quote before from other people. I treat criticism and compliments the same. I don't give either of them unnecessary attention. So I'm not right. talking about so false humility where people are like, that was a great message. I'm like, oh, brother, that was all the Lord. I don't do that. I don't believe in false humility, but I also <laughs> don't give it attention to like, wow, that was a good message. And this is another thing I do practically, guys. And people laugh at me for this it's all right they've been laughing since i got saved 
I respond to all my own altar calls. And this is something I started doing six or seven years ago. Uh -oh. So I will preach and then wow. I will respond to my own altar call because I don't wow. ever want to become thinking that because I'm on a stage, I'm above everybody. I'm above reproach. I'm somehow exempt from the altar. So I literally will preach, listen, God wants to heal you, deliver you, break through, break pornography, break lust, break anger, break pride. And then I, you guys have seen me do this. And then I turn around, get on my knees and I respond to my own altar calls. And this is right. one thing that has deflated me that has kept Stay my humble. pride in check, having spiritual leaders around. Come on, there's nothing like having a spiritual leader after you preach to like 10,000 people on the broadcast. Be like, hey, by the way, you shouldn't say that again. You shouldn't do that again. You need to be corrected here. So these are all things that leaders don't do. Like when you get to that certain level, I think all of us have been, are, are there already, probably past that where you start gaining notoriety or following, you start thinking like, Oh, I'm really doing something like people really like me not realizing it's not necessarily you and of course there's part of it is your personality but it's the God in you and so don't ever think mm -hmm. you're doing something don't ever think because here's yeah. the thing like we're all replaceable like the Bible says don't yeah. say your children of Abraham can't God take these stones and turn them into children of Abraham in other words yeah. you're not special like God can replace you remove you and we right. see this with guys that have recently fallen and here's the like the sad reality is like in six months nobody really cares or says anything about them or really like who are they now like they're just a distant memory in the past and so i think we have to stop putting ourselves on this pedestal of like who do people think i am i don't need to pray i don't need to read i don't need to come to the altar i'm above everybody i'm the man of god and really let god deflate us let god humble us and not I think only you know, like respond what to your own, not only respond to your own altar calls, but so respond good. to the altar calls of those that are Say also it. ministering on your pulpit, so even good. in yeah. your own church. So when so my good. sons and daughters preach on Sundays, or when I have an invited speaker, I'm usually in, in, in my church, if they're wow. online, they'll tell you, I'll be, I'm the first Say one it. literally saying, pray for me, or I go around and I'm literally standing there wow. because I never want to get to a place where I lose uh, receiving even from those in my house that are actually ministering and I'm helping raise up or that God has brought to my house uh, to minister the word of the Lord. So not just respond to your own messages as you're mm. preaching them, but respond to those so that good. are around me. So if, I, if, if you're coming to my house or, or I'm in a, or I am part of a venue and I'm supporting another preacher. Um, I'm jumping in that message because I'm receiving it for myself as well. So I'm usually the first one there um, and usually the last one to leave because I'm still on that altar receiving uh, receiving the anointing and pulling on from what is re being released by the man or woman of God that's also ministering in front of me. So good. Come on. That's so good. Now, you know what? I, I just got to say this because so many pastors do not want to come up, come up under the covering of their own church. That's right. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, we, you know, I have to be ministered to by my own house. But I want to say this because this is like burning inside of me right now. You know, I've thought about this topic and I know all of us are talking all over each other here and there because we're all fired up right now because we're we have such a deep well of revelation about this topic because we have the landmines and the booby traps everywhere that we're constantly trying to avoid. So there's a lot of accumulated wisdom in this broadcast. So listen, but here's what I was thinking about the other day. There's a connection between privilege and pride. And the more privilege you have, the more pride that produces. Now, we have to build cultures of honor. I get all that. But listen, I've had a couple of times where I've flown first class. And when you fly first class, you, you it only takes one time before you're like these peasants behind me over my shoulder. And see, what happens is the more privilege that you have psychologically, yes. it starts to build this, this thing in your mind that I'm exempt from the rules that normal people well, have. Say it. So, so when good, the way that you get these situations, mm. because they're, they're, they end up becoming just these demonic epicenters of destruction, mm. 
is somebody who had so much more privilege than you, who got to park in a special spot, who got to come come late and leave early. The more privilege they got You're psychologically, preaching. they said, I'm not like normal people. Now, listen, where's that at in the Bible? It said, and when it was time that the kings would go to war, yep. wow. David exercised same thing, same his thing privilege. He exercised wow. his privilege to stay home so that he could steal someone else's wife. Hmm. And so it was privilege that produced pride that produced a fall. So I think that good. honestly, for, for me, as I'm listening to this, so good, Mike, I literally just had that thought running around where a lot of times we begin to think of ourselves above yeah. um, being followers of Christ. We're first and foremost, we're not leaders and pastors. We're, our identity is followers. And that's right. why I am one of those people that gets me in trouble in some circles. I don't think that pastors should be skipping worship. Same. I think that we should be. I think that worship is not a prep for the show. Worship is for the king, not for us. It's not preparing the atmosphere for me. It's for Jesus. And I think that worship is our identity. It's not some little part of the service. And when we begin to worship, and the part is that when we begin to say things like my church, I built my church. First of all, we didn't die for this church. It's Jesus' church. And this it comes out in our vocabulary. And I know what we mean. We mean properly. But a lot of times it begins to come from here. When people begin to leave the church and we become defensive and act like a Colombian right. cartel instead of the kingdom of God, we begin to take people out and like, that's it. How dare you? You know, you betrayed me and everything. They didn't betray Christ when they went to another church. I mean, yes, it hurts. But this, this is where real test begins to happen, where whether we're really serving him. But for me, my biggest thing that helps me with with pride is, is two. The first one is prayer. I really believe prayerlessness Good. is the cause of pride. Yep. People are not praying because they're busy. They're praying. They're not praying because they're proud. If mm. you get a sickness hit your house, you will stop being busy. You'll start praying. Everyone yeah. on Facebook will so be praying good. with you. So if you continue to value your prayer time, and for me, one of the challenges that started to take place is that in the beginning, when I sought God, I sought God for God. When ministry started to grow, mm. I started to seek That's God right. as a means to greater growth. And there came a point where the Lord started to challenge me and he says, I don't want to be your means to reach your goals. And that's why the Bible says in, in John chapter 15, it says the branch that doesn't produce fruit, he lifts up. The moment you begin to bring fruit, he begins to cut you off because he begins to prune those suckers, those impure motives. And for me, it's constantly bringing my motives to the Lord. Am I seeking you for the next level, for the next season, or am I seeking you for you? And so that's kind of that constant tension. And sometimes your normal prayer time is not enough for these, these ugly emotions to surface. You need to take that all night prayer meeting. You need to, you need to leave town for three days to really to have to stop completely. Like this year, you know, we, we, we took an extended fast. And the scripture the Lord gave me is from Moses when he was burned out leader. He tried to do ministry. He tried to do deliverance. It didn't work. So he went and settled for normal life. And then he, as he lived normal life, he would go to this mountain of the Lord. But this one particular time, he went far into the desert. 
And Abdullah felt the Lord say, he says, you normally, you know, do your few day fast. He says, if you want to encounter fresh fire and you want me to expose things that are still laying there, that I need to deal with disappointments, I need to deal with hurts, I need to deal with certain demons that are so domesticated and have Preach. become normalized in your life that I want to neutralize in your life. He says, you have to be able to go further than you ever went before in prayer and in fasting. And so I remember when, you know, started to cut off the, the entertainment and start cutting off the TV shows and the other things. And instead of doing that on Friday night, and I'm not a legalist, but I know that in my life, they were medication, they were band-aids, they became honestly numbing something that was that needed to be dealt with. And I started to we started to open church on Friday night, all night prayer meeting. On, and you were like, man, this is crazy. This is not crazy. This is honestly living a crucified life because the alternative to living crucified life is living a carnal life. And so you're either living a crucified life as a minister or you're living a carnal life as a minister. And we honestly started to see within that prolonged time, the God's fire personally, not as a preacher. Because see, that's a problem is that sometimes the work we do for God outgrows the work that God does in us. You're preaching it. The work that God does in us stops. And then we constantly just keep seeing what God does through us. And so, and I really, I honestly felt that, that I am on that level. If, if God doesn't continue to work in me, I'm going to be a statistic. I'm going to yes. be burned out because I'm not burning. And so God wants to burn in us. So for me to deal with pride is that one thing, is to go in further than I ever went with the Lord so he can expose motives. And secondly is what you guys already mentioned. It's having a pastor, and I'm not talking about Facebook pastor. I'm not talking about your spiritual father who doesn't see you, doesn't know you, uh, and you just you know send money. And not against that, but I'm talking about a guy who knows you. He sees you day in and day out and who's not afraid of you, who's not intimidated Say. by you, and he's not impressed with your followers. He's not impressed with your anointing. And Come after your anointing, he's going to sit you down and honestly say, hey, you're off. This is not right attitude. You're not treating people right. You're doing this. And so for me, it's my uncle. And honestly, and that's an umbrella that protects really from, I feel like from a lot of times when I go off, he begins to confront that. So and for the pastors that are watching that are saying, well, I'm open for God to bring someone in my life to be that voice of accountability. But there's just so many posers and fake preachers out there that I'm just going to have to uh, just do this thing myself. I want to encourage you to pray that the Holy Spirit would bring you somebody. Yes, so Everybody's good. not a warlock and a fake preacher and a Jezebel. There is somebody out there that God has ordained yes. specifically, tailor-made to be that person in your life to tell you about yourself, but at the same time, not throw the baby out with the bathwater. They see the giftedness in you, but they also see yes. some of the other stuff in you. So I know that there are many pastors that hear this and they go accountability, accountability, spiritual father, you know, uh, being under recovering, but they have nobody or they've been burned or maybe they've seen uh, the abuses of it. Don't allow the abuses of this epidemic of spiritual fathers and paternity and all of that stuff cause you to be in a shell where you just say, God is my accountability partner. No, yeah. God has somebody out there for you that walks so the good. life, that loves the Lord and will hold you accountable. Just allow yourself to be open to that and you'll realize that that person is already probably already in your life or so God good. will bring someone to you so that way you don't end up a casualty. Don't close yourself off to all of the mm. foolishness that's going on in the body of Christ. Not every there is a remnant out there. There is a seven thousand that have not bowed their knee to Baal. Mm. God has ordained for them to walk alongside with you and mm. help you 
remain accountable to the Lord and will make sure that you fulfill God's plan for your life. And I think having someone so to, to call out your blind spots, like people are like, there's nothing so wrong, but they don't, you don't understand. It wouldn't be a, called a blind spot if you can see it. So for me, like you've mm -hmm. lied, I have my uncle who's also my pastor that will literally call out my blind spots, be like, hey, you did this. You said this. You. I know you guys are like, not Isaiah Saldivar. Listen to me, guys. He'll literally say like, <laughs> don't say this anymore. Don't talk like this anymore. Don't use this word because I know yeah. what you meant, but it didn't come off right. Or don't go do that. Don't partner with that person. Don't bring this person on. Don't go on their show. Wow. And there's been times, guys, I'm honest with you, where I've had the most incredible opportunities. I'm like, I'm, this is going to be my big moment, right? And my uncle, my Nino, my pastor's like, no, I don't feel God saying we should do this. We shouldn't connect with them. And I'm like, there, no, we have to. Like, this is my open door. This is my opportunity. I'm going to, this is my American Idol voice moment where, and then what happens? <laughs> Three months down the road, comes out, that guy's whole ministry falls apart. The whole network falls apart. And of right. course, we get invited to be in networks and be in this and doing this. And I want you to come do mm -hmm. this. And oftentimes God will put people to see blind spots. Now, here's what I don't do. I don't say, well, you know what? I'm Isaiah Saldivar. I have hundreds of thousands of followers. I have a podcast. I have this, I have that. Who do you think you are to tell me what to do? Because at the end of the day, like you said, Vlad, you got to have someone around you that's not a yes man, that's not afraid of you, and that's not, not impressed by your following. Like, he's like, yeah, that's awesome. I'm so grateful. I'm so proud of you. But honestly, like that has nothing to do with the fact that you need to do this, or you need to spend more time with your kids, or you need to spend time with more, your wife, or you need to stop doing this, or you need to start doing this like how's your right. prayer life like there's a lot of leaders that have never had another leader ask them that so right. i think this is a, this wow. is a big issue of accountability wow. so and of people calling out blind spots because every one of us have a blind spot every one of you watching that you're like i'm not a pastor or leader you have a blind spot and if you get mad yes. every time somebody calls you out every time someone points you out and i'm not talking about keyboard warriors or facebook theologians calling you out i'm talking about legitimate people in your life call you out that is pride taking root because pride doesn't just uh -huh. you don't wake up one day and you're proud pride has mm -hmm. to be watered pride has to be planted mm -hmm. it has to grow it has to take root until you finally end up rebelling like lucifer did you finally end up rebelling against god so you have to have people that will come in there while they see the pride at its smallest form and say oh yeah we're gonna rip that out oh that's anytime a little root shows up a pride oh yeah we're gonna rip that out and it doesn't feel good no it doesn't feel good to get pruned doesn't feel good to get cut up but this is all necessary in this process of submitting to so you see these guys and they've become and i hate using the word but i'm going to use it gods in their own eyes gods in their mm. own realm and in their own world wow. and who do you wow. think you are i'm so and so wow. i have 20 million dollars a year coming into my ministry and i have this massive following and you're who who, who are you again who's i had one guy wow. and i'll just say a big revival that happened in america big moral failure the guy that was involved with it said that they would sit with this guy who fell and caused this whole revival to end for hours and hours and hours. In fact, he told me they did a 40 hour, listen to this guys, 40 hours. They met with this guy because he was behind the scenes cheating on his wife. They met with him for mm -hmm. 40 hours, bunch of leaders, all the big leaders you could think of, they flew in. They met with them trying to have an intervention before he just crashed and burned for real. And they said, this is at the end of 40 hours. Here's what his response was. 40 hours of them intervention with him. His response was the crowds are not coming to see you. I'm selling 50,000 CDs a month. I have all these people coming to see me. Who are you to tell me what to do when I'm the guy? I'm the one they're coming for. And they, to no avail, wow. reached him and the revival ended up ending. Again, it's a national, you know, you could Google it. It's, it's one of the biggest revivals that were it was ever existed. But my point was, this was pride wow. taking root. And so we have to have those people in our lives that are willing to speak into us. And oftentimes that's a leader or a pastor or a spiritual, a spiritual father.
So good. Let's segue into this, guys. How about this? Okay, why ministers fall? And this is what I always think. Now, I know you guys are going to say, or people in the chat are going to say, it's not all about that. This is what I'm always thinking when I see a guy fall, cheating on his wife, doing drugs, drinking, and then he's preaching, and then he falls. Where was deliverance at? And this is a big thing, guys. A lack of deliverance in leadership is another so major reason why ministers fall. When there's no deliverance in your church, listen to me, guys. People have to hide and compress their issues and secretly mm -hmm. battle something they don't have power to win over. And I've said this before to you guys, like if I need deliverance, like right here, right now, there's 3000 people watching, praise the Lord. I'm, let's go, like I'm open. I'll, any one of you, I would trust to do deliverance on me. And if I had right. any inclination, and honestly guys, I, I should just have y'all pray over me at some point just to check, just to make sure because who are we to think that we're somehow now like we've reached this pinnacle or this right. like high level yeah. where we're now exempt from demons ever coming in or attacking us because now we're these sinless men of God and I don't want to give the devil any foothold, any open door, any access points. And so I've lived that in front of my audience, but also like I'm telling you guys like, hey, I would, I, I think as leaders, especially these big high profile leaders, like I've had leaders tell me this, and I won't go into that because I'll give it away and then I'll get in trouble. But I've had high level leaders or high profile leaders literally tell me like, dude, you think that it's possible I would have a demon? Like there's no way. And then three months later, they do something horrific that was so demonic. There's no other explanation besides them having a demon. Mm -hmm. My whole point being is, and I think this even leads into not just the lust, but the, the high suicide rate we see in pastors. Pastors need help and they don't know where to go. They don't know who to turn because how do you tell your congregation, oh, by the way, your pastor needs deliverance? Like, or how do you tell your friend who doesn't even, half your friends don't even do deliverance, you need deliverance. So there's many leaders, many pastors that are high up there in the Christian world that need deliverance and they fight right. it, fight it, fight it until they finally give in. So I think deliverance, you guys are all voices of deliverance, but I think this is also a major thing lacking in leaders. Well, well, well here's, for those of you that are watching is, you seek deliverance not because you feel like you need it. You seek deliverance just in case you need it. Come on. And I think that that's what I'm the problem is. And, and to tell you how I live this, this concept, just in case. Isaiah, you have my blessing to tell. Did not reach out to you about a month ago. Maybe I text you. And, I, and what did I tell yeah, two you? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. I reached out to him and I said, um... Right now, I don't feel like I need deliverance, but I've been conducting deliverance and it came across in my head that I just haven't had a deliverance in quite some time. So I said to him through a text, I said, listen, uh, when you get a chance and where we both freed up, I need you to take me through a deliverance. Now this was, I didn't feel like I needed it, mm. but just in case I need it, just in wow. case, because we are not led by our emotions because the Bible mm -hmm. says the Preaching. heart is deceitful desperately wicked who can wow. know it i text him just to tell him simply because i was conducting deliverance here in my home some of my leaders were coming to my house and i'm helping them get free because we're going to do another roundup of deliverance in my church and stuff like that uh for this spring and while i'm conducting deliverance it just dawned on me like man i i haven't had one in a minute i immediately text isaiah and <laughs> I said man when 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 we have some time free wow. i need to get free now right now I didn't feel like I needed it, but just in Come pastor, on. listen to me, pastor, to me, get beyond this theological. Well, I got to sense it. I got to feel the leading of the Holy Spirit. No, it's the right thing to do. You need to get deliverance. We don't always feel 
Like we need to go to the doctor. How about just get a checkup just in case? Come just because on. I don't feel nothing is wrong in my body doesn't mean there's nothing wrong in my body. Why don't you? Why don't we just catch the cancer early by just simply just getting a CAT scan anyway? And maybe they'll say it looks like it might be cancer rather than I feel like I have this pain in my side and now you find out you on stage four. Maybe let's catch it on the stage one level. Even if you don't feel like it, go get the spiritual CAT scan and the MRI and get yourself checked out just in case you might need some deliverance. Let me say this real quick. Let me interject. I know Vlad and Mike are chomping at the bit here. That right there, what he just- I'm just waiting for you to start doing deliverance. Listen, listen, what he just said, what he just said, number one, if you guys don't know, he's one of the heads, I would say, I I could say this because I can't, because my broadcast, one of the top voices in America, in the world, let's just go there, for deliverance, best-selling book, if you go on Amazon right now, best-selling book on deliverance, and that right there is what keeps you in ministry for 50 years. That right there is what, you'll be 80 years old, at the end of your life, you'll say, I never had one scandal, I never messed with women one time that were outside of my marriage, I never touched money, I never touched glory, and I'm 85 years old at the end of my life, on my deathbed, and I could say I walked a clean life because of that right there. That right there is why, again, I'm not saying, I guys, I honestly have, I would say five pastor friends. No, no, no. Yeah, five that I text on a regular basis. And three of them are in this broadcast. Literally, Isaiah Saldivar, five that I text on a regular basis. Alexander being one of them because of that mentality. Like that right there is humility. And this is what we need. We need leaders and pastors. Like you guys tell me there's 3,000 of you. Go tell me where you're going to find that. Go, you go, sh- go show me a video where you'll ever see four pastors on a broadcast right here saying, Hey, listen, if we need deliverance and we're all deliverance guys, like we're the, we're the demon slayer group text. I could show you like, we're those guys, but we're also saying like, this is us saying we don't ever want to think that we're above reproach or that, like you said, get, go get checked, check the cancer early. Like go get a physical, a spiritual physical to make sure nothing is there. So you don't have to end up, you know, with your losing your family, losing your wife, losing your ministry. And then a month goes by and you're like, I should have, could have, would have, didn't. Life is ruined, ministry's ruined, never recover because you weren't willing to deal with the foxes. You weren't willing to deal with the frogs. You said one more night with the frogs. Like tomorrow you can come break the curse. Let's just sleep one more night with the frogs. When God is like, no, now's the time. And that goes for every single one of you that are all religious going like, I don't need deliverance. I never need deliverance. Acting like you're Jesus's third cousin, second time separated, and you're all holy when you should say, I would rather get prayer. And if nothing happens, praise God, nothing happens. So go ahead. I know Vlad and Mike, you guys are chomping at the bit here. Well, I I just want to tag in real quick on that. Just real quick, because here's the thing. I sense that there are some stubborn people that are listening right now. Like, oh, that's not. Listen, the Bible says that he'll send the Holy Spirit as a comforter. Mm. But when you're in ministry and you start to seek counterfeit comfort and everybody knows what I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. you can either have the encounter with God and receive truth comfort or you can go in the direction of counterfeit comfort and then you open up the door you know i was thinking about this Mm, because honestly i have had a front row seat for so many moral failures in the last 15 Mm. years of pastoral ministry and i'm also not going to get myself in trouble by saying too much here today (laughs) but i here's what i noticed is that leaders see failure as their best escape wow they wow. see failure as their best yeah. ex- so so oh, what wow. so like david's like That's hey the right there 
you know, and, and listen, and it's so important because they know what they're doing. They know the word, right? But they say failure is my best escape. And I want this counterfeit comfort. And so then what do you do? It's not a habit anymore. Now it's, you need deliverance. And so I think good. that I'm hoping that what I just said caused some blind eyes to be open and someone's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Wow. Wow, Mike, the man, this is, this is so powerful. I'm, I'm so encouraged then to, to hear that because I think that all of us, we, we need to be checked and we go through just because we're in ministry, we're not exempt from the Come attacks on. of the enemy. We're not exempt for stepping on a landmine. Uh, land yeah. It reminds me of Saul when Saul refused to fight Amalekites like God told him. He lost the anointing, then he got a demon. And it's interesting because, you know, without the anointing, we are doing very dangerous work. With the anointing, we are dangerous. Come on. We are dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. But something begins to happen when the anointing of God begins to lift out of our lives. We become a lot more vulnerable and we become a lot more susceptible and we can step on things. But that's not the problem. Like him getting a distressing spirit is not the problem. The problem is where he was looking for the solution. Come on. All he needed is Prophet Samuel to show up and, and deliver him. Guess who invited? He invited a musician. Wow. So he went to entertainment to deal with My demonic problem. God. My Lord. <laughs> Instead of going to a prophet, oh, the prophet Samuel would have literally cleared him up. He would have cleaned him up. Of course, he would have told him to resign. And then he would have literally dealt, dealt with, his, with his demon, dealt with his problem. And Saul would have been maybe a father to this new king and kind of mentored him and still would have left, lived his days in glory. And I think this is because when ministers don't do spiritual warfare and then they get attacked, we wow. begin to medicate demons. Yeah. And so we, we literally begin to medicate. We go on medicine Man. for antidepressant things. We say, oh, yep. this is a mental, yep. mental. That's mental. It. Yeah, it, there, is, there is a mental problem. Yes, it, it exists. But a lot of what people experience this has a spirit behind it. But because you don't do warfare, so now you're inviting David to play a string in front mm. of you instead Come of inviting on. a deliverance minister, instead of somebody doing deliverance. And then Saul's story ends tragically. So I just really want to encourage those of you guys who are in the chat right now, those of you who are watching or re-watching, is that you cannot, if you treat this as, oh, it's just the flesh. I remember I thought that my pornography addiction as a teenager was the flesh. I was already preaching. Come on. I was preaching every Sunday as a 16 and a 15 year old. Now, maybe you agree, maybe you'll argue that I shouldn't have been preaching. That's what I told my uncle, but he, he told me <laughs> otherwise. And so I was addicted. I ran to my uncle every time I fell into pornography. He would do deliverance on me. He would pray for me. I would, he, would, uh, he wouldn't do deliverance. He would just pray for me because I didn't think it was a demon. I thought it was the flesh until oh. I read some books and then I started to recognize this is not normal. I'm fasting. I'm praying. Come I'm on, applying lad. everything I know in the book and I have a demon. I have a demon on my tail. I don't know if he was in my soul, in my mind, in my body. I don't know where he was. I just knew I had a demon. The demon didn't have me, but I had him. And so, and I needed to be delivered. When the Lord delivered me, something begins to happen. Then we took our team through deliverance, our, our young team. People started being loose from pornography and everything. When you begin to blame your issue on, oh, it's just the flesh. Now, flesh Say is still the loud. problem, but, but for a lot of people, it's not the flesh. You have a spirit. You can't control it. You repent it. It keeps coming back to it. It, you, it. It's intrusive. It, it, it dominates your life. You need deliverance. And then if you look to entertainment or medication or numbing oh i need a sabbatical you, you need deliverance not sabbatical if you have a demon problem demons don't leave Come through on, sabbaticals Vlad. 
Demons don't leave. Oh, I just need to have medicine. Medicine will numb it, but it won't deliver you from it. You need deliverance. And when you begin to look for Samuel, when you begin to look through one of these men, or you begin to humble yourself and go to your mentor, your pastor, say, deliver me, pray for me, see God's face. God will deliver you and you will last in ministry. The Bible clearly states the son stays in the house, but a slave does not. What does that mean, slave? It's somebody who is not free. He can't last in ministry. He cannot last. Wow. And not only not only that not, not only when that part three if, of this. if your accountability partner or team or it does not do deliverance, then here's what I suggest that you do: you go to them for confession, but you find a deliverance Say minister it. for deliverance. That's good. That's yeah. good. Right? Because I get it. Some of you are under denominationalism or under precarious yeah. men and women of God that might maybe not have embraced this revelation of deliverance and uh, and maybe they might try to do the counseling and inner healing thing, which there's a place for that. Um, you might have to go see a specialist, just like yeah. not every doctor is able to uh, deal with your issue. Go to a recommended yeah. specialist that can deal with your particular problem, which means you go to your, your covering, uh, your, your accountability team for confession, um, so and then good. go to an outside source um, to get deliverance. Now watch this. Well, I don't know anybody in my city. You're looking at four of us. Come on. You can come to us. Come to us and we will help you. Do you know how many pastors, now I'm just going to say this publicly, Come on. social media influencers, pastors and leaders that actually do come to us yeah. secretly. Why? Yep. Because God can trust us with their mess and keep, because we know how to keep it confidential. We are open to help pastors and leaders get delivered and set free. We're doing it behind the scenes anyway, all the time. You cannot sit here and say, I have nobody in my city. You're looking at this broadcast now. There are four ministers right now that you could actually come on the side and say, hey, listen, man, I think I might be dealing with some stuff. And if God allows us to help you, we will love to come alongside you to be a accountability party, at least in the deliverance aspect, and at, or at least point you in the right direction to help you get delivered and set free. You are not alone and you are not stuck, Pastor. There's four ministers. Listen, if you are lame right now, you feel like I'm stuck, there's four of us that will carry you and break you through the roof and help you break out of the roof and let you down to where Jesus is so that you can get delivered. Come on. So good. Let's like, guys, again, this is just, we're going to segue right into this. Um, when, by the way, we need to have a part three already. Cause I'm just like, I'm getting ready to backflip hair off my chair, but this is a big one, guys. This is the one we can't avoid. We have to talk about before we make sure we get to this is sexual sin. I mean, this is something no one wants to talk about. It's taboo, but this is the thing. This is 95 plus percent of what victim of what preachers fall victim to this is the spirit of jezebel not always but usually yeah. that is far stronger listen to me pastors and leaders far stronger than leaders are willing to admit jezebel really does we all know this go after the prophet and is attracted to god's anointing in fact in revelation 2 it says you you are permitting that woman jezebel who calls herself a prophet and this is what it says to lead my servants these are the leaders of the church astray she's teaching them to commit sexual sin and eat food offered to idols and then he says this but she does not want to turn from her fornication that word is pornography therefore mm -hmm. i'll throw her on a bed of suffering if you don't remove her okay so god gives the church of thyatira a choice here's your choice you either remove this unrepented spirit of jezebel out of your midst out of you or judgment is coming and friend you better hear me loud and clear every leader every pastor every believer that's living in secret sin that's watching pornography currently friend the judgment of god listen to me closely as i feel the fear of the lord 
is not a joke. It is not a game when God's judgment comes on you. There is nothing you will do to prosper, no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do. If you make yourself an enemy to God by doing what the Bible says not to do, demonic spirits will stay rooted in you when you come under that judgment. So this is not a game, guys. And this is one thing, and we can go into statistics, one in five addicted pornography, 28,000 users, 71% of teens, and all the statistics that are very true, let me just say this and I'll turn it over here. Ecclesiastes 7.26. I discovered, this is what Solomon says. Now this is, aside from Jesus, the wisest person in the Bible. So you have the wisest person in scripture, aside from Jesus, saying something about lust. You better open up your ears, people, and listen to what he has to say. He says this, I discovered, how did you discover, Solomon? I discovered that a seductive woman is a trap that is far more bitter than death itself. Her passion wow. is a snare. Listen to this, y'all and her soft hands are chains. I'm reading word for word the Bible here. Those who are pleasing to God will escape her, but sinners will be caught in her snare. He is describing being caught in a trap like a bird not being able to escape. And that's how so many of you feel right now. You say, Isaiah, I am so stuck in this trap. I cannot get out of this. I've, I've gotten lured in. I've been seduced by this woman named Jezebel. Her, her soft hands are like chains that have wrapped me up. And this is how ministers all over America feel that are, are, that are addicted. And I don't want to give you statistics because I'll depress you guys. But they say, I feel trapped. I feel like I can't escape. And I came to tell somebody by the power by the anointing, by the blood of Jesus, by the fire of Almighty God, that God wants to break you out of every snare, break you out of every trap, and deliver you tonight in Jesus' name. We cannot live our lives thinking that we are exempt. Now, I came out of addicted to pornography. If you guys don't know, my little sister that invited me to church uh, two to three days after getting saved cast all the demons out of me. And by the way, several of those demons were shame, perversion, and lust. So I got delivered after being full of the Holy Ghost, after speaking in tongues, about two days or three days went by. I was getting, guys, the most perverted thoughts. Now, when I say most perverted thoughts, I'm talking about bizarre stuff like animals with people. I'm talking about so perverse. I sat there going, I have no desires for lust. I have no desires for pornography, but I was addicted for years from 12, probably 12 to 19. And now I have no desires. I have no nothing. I'm, I'm fully saved, born again, speaking in tongues, on fire for God. Every desire changed. No more cussing, no more nothing. But I'm sitting there, guys, and I'm going, I'm literally just sitting there, and I'm getting the most dis- stuff I couldn't say on the broadcast because we'll get demonetized, and I'll probably get my channel taken down. I'm talking right. most perverse. And you know what I thought? There's no way these thoughts are me. I'm this full of Holy Spirit fire, man of God, God changed atheist to revivalist. I'm going, there's no way this has to be a demon. And sure enough, as I begin to talk about God, I felt something trying to growl out of me. I was at work trying to share my faith and I felt like growling. I'm like, why do I want to growl? Like I was, it was like I had a cough, but like something was in my throat and I knew it was a demon trying to get out of me because it didn't want to be there no more. I went home to my little sister. I was 19. She was at the time 16, I think. Uh, Yes, 16, 17. I said, cherish. I have a bunch of demons in me and I know you're gonna think I'm crazy. I said, but they're ready to go. Like they're already, they've already packed their bags. They already got their, the, they're, they've gone through escrow. Like they're ready to move out. All right, they're done. I said, all you gotta do when you feel ready, just start commanding all the demons to leave me. And guys, four or five minutes went by and she started saying, I command every demon. I, f- I flew across the room, landed on my back and I started screeching wow. the most foul stuff coming out of my mouth, yelling, screaming as, anger, perversion, um, lust, shame, guilt, all of these spirits started screeching out of me. And within about 15 minutes, now this is not everyone's story, this is my story. Within about 15 minutes, I was fully delivered 
from that day forward, and this is why I want to say this, not to brag or boast, but I, I want to tell the pastors, there is freedom for you. Have never looked well, at pornography, have never desired yeah, it, have never lusted. I could tell you right now, honestly, I've never lusted after a woman. Um, God fully delivered me. And I know, and I know, Vlad, you have a very similar story. If God can do it in me, God can do it in you. And this is so pivotal and vital because 98, I would say more percent of ministers that fall, fall to sexual sin. It's no games, no joke. Don't play with this because it's serious stuff that will, the Bible says, will drag you to hell. Wow. Anybody want to jump in there on sexual sin? I, you know, I want to say this incredible story and the level of transparency and, and openness is, is that in and of itself is a healing. Confess your sins one Come to on. another wow. that you'll be healed. And some of you are probably shocked at the level of honesty, but you know, Revelation chapter two, verse 20 says, I have this against you that you've tolerated Jezebel. Mm. You've tolerated Jezebel, tolerated. Mm. you know, and it says who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality. You know, think about this. Every single time someone had a, an encounter with God in scripture, their first response wasn't, what's my assignment? Sign me up for full-time ministry. It was actually, I've got sin in my life like who woe is me and see I, I believe we need to get back to the place where Say like you mine. said Vlad, worship is not something we skip matter of fact if you're the type of pastor who skips worship you might be avoiding avoiding the type of encounter that'll shine a light on the demons you Come need on. deliverance from can i just be really Say real okay. and so we've got to get to that place where there's zero tolerance for jezebel and it's not something that you can play with. And I, I believe that right now we are in a season where we are seeing people tolerate these things and they open up the door. And, you know, really that's the door by which Jezebel opens mm. and walks through. It's the door called compromise. It's, yes. the, you know, like right now I've got four people logged in on my Instagram account. I've got eight people logged Say in it. my Facebook account. But you've got to close every single door on compromise. Uh. I think that, you know, for, for us, it's to really begin to, as, as leaders, and not only as leaders, but those of you who are watching and you want to be delivered, I want to speak to just a moment. Those of you who are currently, you're honestly under an attack of this demon. Well, not under attack. You're pretty much enslaved by this evil spirit. Uh, when I was battling uh, with this, at first I was a slave, and then I started to fight against it to the best of my ability. But I like what Isaiah says. And if you read the scriptures, you see that, Bible doesn't talk about self-deliverance uh, because we're, we, we are called to cast out demons out of other on, people, Vlad. even though there are situations where, you know, you can kind of get that demon ready, cooked, right. and then somebody just commands it. And because of your desperation, you can be delivered. But the story that really became a help to me is the story of David. When David was shepherding his father's sheep and the lion came and stole the sheep and David lost the sheep. And instead of going to his dad and say, dad, I lost the sheep. The Bible says that he went after the lion. He threw himself in the battle and then he tried to fight. I mean, there was, this was not an equal competition. There was no way he could survive against the lion being a teenager. And then he would rip the lion apart and rescue the sheep back. It's interesting because when he explained that to Saul, he says, the Lord delivered me mm. from the paw of a lion and the bear. But if you look at the deliverance, God didn't deliver David when he just folded his hands and said that I'm going to just wait for God Save to bring life. the sheep back. Yeah. If the pornography, if the line of pornography stole your purity, stole your mm. eyes or stole your heart, you can't fold your hand and simply wait for deliverance. You have to oh. go after your deliverance. Come you on. have to be number one. That's you have good. to be desperate. 
You have to be very desperate. If you're desperate, you don't care about anything That's else. It. The moment you're cute and the moment you, you want to still act dignified mm. because being dignified is the biggest hindrance strong. to deliverance. The moment you get desperate, you're desperate to fly whatever it, it takes. You, you, you're desperate to go to any conference. You're desperate to, to get to anybody. And you're desperate to tell your wife about it. Say it you're desperate to tell your pastor about it. Because some of you, all you need is you need to tell your spouse. You and your someone. spouse will deliver you. Yep. I remember I was one time, even I was after I was delivered, I started getting pulled back. I started to feel the drawing. I didn't fall into pornography, but I honestly started to feel this temptation. It came on me. It's, it's about like a, a week, a week and a half. And my wife started to feel like something's wrong with me. And I'm literally like in this intentional, intentional thing. And then this thought came into my mind, you know, well, but I didn't look at pornography, but I'm noticing that I'm being gravitated toward that. And I am in my mind, I'm focusing on how close to sin I can get without mm. falling into sin. Right. How close oh, to pornography I can get without it being pornography and in my mind. And I'm like, this is wrong. This is totally wrong. So I tell my wife, I remember the night. It was Friday night. It was uh, late at night. We're already laying in bed. And my wife, she's like, something is wrong with you. Mm. And I mean, she's noticing. I'm, and I was like, honestly, I am being tempted beyond my measure to. I'm like, I feel like one more day and I'm going to fall back into my past on, life. Lad. And I she's die. like. She turns on the light and I thought she's going to kill me. I'm like, I was ready for anything. Honestly, <laughs> I was ready for deliverance. I was waiting. I was ready for her to beat the demons out of me. And so I asked my wife and I said, I want you to pray for me. I was like, I don't think I got the demon back. I don't think I've fallen. Mm. I haven't. But I'm like, I am literally feel like I am on the edge. I'm about to fall. And I was like, if God doesn't help me or somebody doesn't help me, I'm, I'm going to fall back into that. I feel like this drawing from that demon. Wow. And so my wife laid her hands on my head. <laughs> this was insane because she's never done this. She laid her hands and she's like, I commend that demon to leave him in Jesus' name. That <laughs> night I got delivered. And of course, Come right on. after that, because desperation leads to deliverance mm. and that deliverance has to lead to discipline. Yes. Mm. Right after that, I deleted the Instagram because I found out the popular yes. page on Instagram. Say this it. was about like four years, four Say or five it. years ago. The popular page on Instagram was the one I was checking. So I had to delete. I literally deleted that for a whole year. I didn't even log in, didn't have nobody log in. It was completely dormant for a whole year because I knew that right now I have to take a practical step. Deliverance that does yes. not lead to discipline will lead to bondage back. The Bible Mom. says if, if your hand tempts you to sin, if your foot tempts you to sin, or your eye tempts you to sin. These are three areas that triggers sexual sin. Your eyes, your hands, and your feet. Meaning the places that you go, the places that you look, and the places that you handle. And so we have to remove the trigger points. You know, for us in ministry, and one of the things that I started to practice is, of course, you know, I don't disciple women. Yep. We have women that disciple women. Right. My wife disciples women. I don't disciple women. When I meet with women, the doors have to be open. And my wife is usually present unless it's somebody quickly walks in and quickly gets out. Another thing that we started to practice is that I don't take photos with women. And I got in trouble with that at the Race to Deliver conference because I was so exhausted and there were a lot of women that came along and start taking selfies. And I usually have somebody else with me. And at the end, we get into my car and my wife is like, you just crossed the line. I was like, what line? Wow. She's like, there were people taking photos and somebody posted a photo with you, one of the one of the women. And so, and I was like, no, they didn't. And I was like, honestly, I don't remember what happened to me. I was so exhausted because we had like literally very long services. And I repented right there in the car. And I said, I really am sorry that I crossed the line. I was like, I want you to hold me accountable. I know it's not sin. But see, right. nobody commits sin without doing this. This is what I've learned about wow. sexual sin. You don't commit sexual sin until you mm -hmm. commit things that are not sin, that are not wise. 
things that are not wise. But the reason we do those things that are not wise is because we have a verse and a chapter why those things are not sin. Going with a coworker for coffee one-on-one, it's not sin, but it leads to sin. Doing this, I'm just chatting with this person, you know, answering, I'm engaging with conversation. She came for counseling and some other things, and it might not lead to sin. But it, it, it's not, it might not be sin, but it leads to sin. And so this is what I realized is nobody does what's wrong until they do many things that are not wise. And the reason right. we do many of those things that are not wise is because they're not sin. They're not wrong. And we have to stop not where the sin is. We have to stop at the things that trigger the sin. And not so, only that, okay. not only are they not sin, but the Bible says stay away from the appearance yes. of yes. sin. Come on, come on. So let, let me let me just say this because I'm so glad that Pastor Vlad talked about this because I have that same militant approach when it comes to uh, females when they interact with me. I don't talk to no ladies in my inbox, period, yep. you know. And then when I say this sometimes on my broadcast, immediately religious folks, they say this, Jesus wouldn't do that. Let me tell you something. We are not Jesus. <laughs> we are not Jesus. I am not Jesus. I am a man. I am a man with like passions, according to James chapter five, that says Elijah was a man of like passions, which is why he had to pray earnestly and earnestly and earnestly and earnestly. We keep thinking that Elijah was praying earnestly because he was a prophet. That was part of it. But the book of James actually says he prays earnestly because he was a man of like passions. We are not Jesus. So therefore, we as ministers, we have, especially deliverance ministers, we have a militant, no-nonsense perimeters around our mountain of God. This is what I love about the story of Moses. When he went up to the mountain of God, the first thing that God told him was set up perimeters around the mountain. And beyond these perimeters, nobody could come up. And that's why we have to, or that's why we have these Mm. militant style type of rules and regulations um when i hug somebody of the opposite sex sometimes it might even feel like it's cold i'll be like hey god bless you my sister god bless you (laughs) and they'd be like man this brother's a jerk man what's wrong with him why why he acting like that why because i have these perimeters Mm, around my mountain why because i'm a man of like passions especially if my wife is not traveling with me during this particular outing i have these perimeters that are there so pastor and leader one of the first things we want to tell you is this you have to set up these perimeters and watch this the bible actually even says that these perimeters for moses were further out yeah, away it. from the mountain because wow. we didn't even want god didn't even want them coming near to the mountain wow. and as he said if anybody crossed those perimeters, they are to be killed. They are to be stoned. Right. And that's how we have to have. We have to have the zero, no-nonsense uh, perimeters around our anointing, around our integrity, around our character. Why? Because as soon as they cross over the perimeter of compromise, it is no longer guarding. It is now it is now compromised. So don't take it personal. When you meet yeah. your favorite preacher and he seems a little cold, it might not be because he's a jerk. It might be because he has these perimeters set up by the Lord to make sure that his integrity and his accountability remains intact, especially concerning the ministry. You know, I just want to say, listen, it like to the to the young leaders that are watching, this is the algorithm of the kingdom. Preach. We are teaching you now the algorithm preaching. right now because everybody uh, wants Vlad's <laughs> Instagram account, but will you shut yours down for a year so mm. that you can maintain the discipline for your purity? That you know what I'm trying to say? Like, so teach good. me the algorithm. This is the algorithm of the kingdom. 
And I, I wow. honestly, I feel like nobody says these things that we're saying. I mean, no. this is like premium YouTube right now that you're getting. Come on. But it's a what what everybody said universally is no compromise. It's the difference between placating the people like Moses did and then be able to literally kill the Achan in the camp like Joshua did. And right wow. now we're shifting into an era that is demanding that Joshua style leadership of no compromise. So you all heard it here. It's the algorithm of the kingdom. So good. And you know, I'll say for me, one of the wow. things big for me, Vlad, is number one, do not go on the explore page on Instagram. I refuse. I know the devil knows what to serve me up, so I keep off there. Or don't for your page on, on TikTok. Yes, TikTok. I don't scroll through TikTok because I don't, I'm not going to give the devil a chance to, I don't know what's coming up next, what video. So I don't want to give him room. All my messages, all my accounts are linked to not only my cousin who's a female, but also my wife. And you guys want to know something even funnier. My wife's going to laugh that I tell you guys this. She has this new, app um again this is not because she doesn't trust me or nothing she has this app for her actually her parents where she can track where they're at if they get in a car accident um, i told my wife i said we've never needed this in 20 years and now you want an app in case your parents get in a car accident but the app literally tracks everywhere you go what you're she'll text me like oh your phone's at 60 percent battery you need to charge it because it literally tells her on the app all the stuff so my point is that that necessarily isn't for that type of accountability but everything's open everything's transparent no deliverance on women i had one pastor tell me please this girl wants to get delivered she's a pastor at our church she's a, one of the pastors and she doesn't want anyone in there just you and her i said pastor i don't care what you say what you do what you pay me i will not do deliverance one-on-one -on -one with a female without another female in the room and so, so these are on. all stuff you have to have um how about this one pastor on your computer at midnight like what what is on at midnight on your computer that you can't do at 10 a.m so all these right. things jesus didn't say if you're sinning pray about not sinning or crucify and pray that he said pluck out your eye like get rid Come of on. your macbook get rid of your instagram get rid of your TikTok. so i know guys that are like brother i'm really battling pornography and honestly i do not have sympathy for you when it doesn't it's not battling when you turn your computer on you turn your browser on you type in the website you sit there for 30 minutes doing all types of stuff that's not a battle guys that is not a battle battling is i'm going to so remove good. everything out of my life yes. i'm going to remove every i'm not going to be doing this texting this calling this alone with people at the office alone with other female pastors like that's battling. I'm getting rid of everything to make sure there's nowhere, no crack in my armor, nowhere. So don't get on here going, I'm battling while you're sitting there until three in the morning, scrolling on TikTok, sitting on the explore mm -hmm. page and mm -hmm. getting on all these websites, you know, you shouldn't be on, you know, looking at pages you shouldn't be on, then going, I'm just really struggling. No, you're not struggling. Get delivered, get serious about God, pluck out your eye, cut off your arm, do whatever you have to do. I know I'm sounding brutal here, but you got to do what you have to do so that God can do what he has to do. All right, let's this is going to go into our next one here. I know it's getting late, guys. I know you're on, you're in New York, but you know, we don't get on here very often. There's 3,200 people. So let's just roll here for a little bit longer. Um, this is what, this is another reason why leaders fall. They minimize, and this is going to not make sense to some of you that are carnal. They minimize the power of sin. And this is what leaders do, especially high up. And when you begin to get this big following, we really do convince ourselves our compromise is not that bad. And the devil will get us to believe our sin is something less than sin. Like you're strong enough. You're powerful enough. You're still anointed even while sinning. And this is the Samson complex. Like Samson is mm. full on in compromise. And in his mind, he's going, okay, the last time I slept with Delilah, the anointing didn't leave me. I broke out of this before. Wow. So I could keep doing this thinking that God's mercy, and this is the mercy mm. of God allowing the anointing to flow, even though you're in sin. And guys, I don't know if you know, the guy I got saved under was seeing prostitutes and I got saved under his ministry. He's one of my good friends. He's come out publicly and shared his testimony, but God saved me radically and he moved in the power of God. 
So God's mercy says, I'm going to let you move in the spirit. I'm going to let you move in power. I'm going to let you use my gifts, even though you're in sin. But my mercy says, I'm giving you a window because even yeah. Jezebel, the Bible said, had a window. But what happens is ministers take the window of God and the mercy of God as God's validation that they're living an okay life, even though they're living in sin. So Samson says, not that big of a deal. I broke out last time, time and time again. But here's what the Bible says. The presence of God, and if you're a minister, if you're a believer, this should send chills down your back. The presence of God left Samson, and he didn't wow. even realize it. Why? Because wow. Delilah was more persistent than his prayer life. Satan is persistent. Ooh. He keeps knocking. He doesn't say, I'm going to leave Alexander Pagani alone because he wrote a best-selling book. He doesn't say, I'm going to leave Mike alone because he averages a thousand viewers on Facebook every morning. He doesn't say, I'm going to leave Vlad alone because he just had a raise deliver. No. Samson... I mean, Delilah and the devil, they keep knocking. They keep being persistent. So we have to be more persistent than the enemy. I have to be more willing to keep fighting back in prayer, fighting back in worship. Every time the devil launches a nuclear warhead against me, I launch three back at him. Every time the devil knocks on my door, I kick three of his doors down. I'm persistently fighting off and resisting the devil because the devil's not going to flee if you don't violently resist him. And so I look at guys, some of the leaders, and this is the thing. I look at some leaders that fall and here's what I do. I look at their life and I say, what did they do that led them up to this? And here's why I do this guys, because I don't want to walk that path. I could see them fall and I go, okay, if they did certain things, I'm going to make sure I don't do it. Some of these things are drinking alcohol. We're going there guys. Some of these things are mm -hmm. watching horror movies. I had a friend of mine who was a best friend of a guy who led a big revival that again, another national revival all over the news. And he said he would leave the revival and he was addicted to horror movies. So mind you, he's preaching revival and then watching horror movies and millions of people are coming to hear him preach music. They listen to. So what, what we do is we say, okay, I'm a leader. I'm a preacher. I'm going to minimize worldly music. I'm going to minimize worldly movies. I'm going to minimize the power of sin. And I'm not going to understand that sin is what it is. And it brings total separation from God. So we wow. need to pray this guys, leaders, pastors, preachers. Listen, we need to pray this, that we would see sin as dark, destructive, deceptive, despicable, so dishonoring to God with no exception. Well, you know, I'm trying to reach celebrities. L let me just say this and be candid about this. I'm ministering right now to several people that are celebrities, yet I still don't drink alcohol because I'm not going, I'm just going to be all things to all men because I'm trying to reach celebrities or I'm going to listen to the music they like because, you know, I'm trying to be relevant to the culture. I am extremely relevant to pop culture. I know a lot what's going on in YouTube culture and all that, but at the same time, I'm not sitting there watching 30 minute vlogs where there's cussing, drinking, partying. I'm not sitting there listening to worldly music so I could be relevant because the thing is so to be relevant with the world is to be irrelevant to God's kingdom because you got to remember what separates you is the presence of God and sin separates you from the presence. So you guys can, you guys can weigh on this, but I think as leaders, you know, we I'm have to stop about, minimizing. I'm thinking about Joseph in a, a contrast of such a huge example. And what you just highlighted when Joseph's brothers came back and they, you know, mentioned uh, for Joseph not to kill them. He used this phrase. He said, I fear God. Wow. And it's one thing that Joseph had that caused him because I studied Joseph's okay. life. I see he's handsome. He is has a death certificate at home. So he has every emotional reason. He got rejected, abused. He, he's pretty much a good scenario uh, where he should fall into sexual sin. And this girl is flirting with him and she's insisting. And in that culture, to do these sexual immoral things, it was not as bad as it's in our culture. Wow. There was no Ten Commandments. There was no pastor. There was no laws like we have today. And this guy, he's not flirting with her. He's fleeing her. Come on. So I ask myself, 
What was his secret? And this is his secret. He had a fear of God. Fear of God causes us to flee sin. Lack of the fear of God causes us to flirt with sin, sin. period. And what we have today is we have this thing called greasy grace. Greasy hmm. grace is when we use the grace of God as an excuse yes. not to fear God. Hmm. We use, we are literally, we are overweight and we are obese with a very weird notion of what the love of God is. We teach people so much on the love of God. We teach people so much on the, yeah, on the grace of God. And I'm all for the, for God so loved the world. It's, the, it's, it's, the, it's our salvation and everything. But if this love, if this grace causes me not to have reverence for God, see, the fear of God is the key to run away from sin. The fear of God is the key not to flirt with sin. We talked about the flesh, you know, to cut off certain things. But then there is the world. We not only have Satan as our enemy, we have flesh as our enemy, and we also have the world. And the world is this Potiphar's wife. It's these external things. It's the alcohol. It's the it's the TikTok. It's the Instagram. Yep. It's flirting. It's doing doing these things. And so as pastors, as leaders, we have to be very careful because if we lose the fear of God, we will start flirting with sin and we will stop fleeing sin. So, what I noticed also is the reason why they flirt with sin is because they haven't upgraded their theology from being Jesus-centered to being Holy Spirit-centered. Mm. Now, when you dwell in the realm of Christ, when you dwell in the realm good, of Jesus, good. the Bible says, I have not come into the world to condemn the world. So you can get away with a you can kind of get away with a lot being in the realm of Jesus. But when you get close to the person of the Holy Spirit, so there's certain it, things the Holy Spirit will not wow. allow you to do. And I think He's sometimes holy. we just stay in the Jesus, the Jesus, the Jesus. And amen. Christ is the center and the preeminent and he, of, of all things. Without Christ, there's no salvation. But who's here now is the paraclete. Yes. It's the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus said, you could blaspheme me. You could get away with it. But if you blaspheme mm, the Holy Spirit, wow, there will wow. be no forgiveness of it. And this is why, watch this. When Ananias and Sapphira lied, notice what Peter said. Wow. They didn't lie to Jesus. They lied to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Because, yeah. And this is Come why on. I think sometimes preachers, they love to just stay in that secret sensitive realm in that, you know, that Jesus place. Nothing wrong with that. Um, because wow. there's forgiveness there. There's no condemnation for there that are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. But but when you begin to realize I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, wow. that my gifts are the gifts Come of on. the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Wow. There are certain things that the Holy Spirit has a zero tolerance for. Mm. And that's why I think the Holy Spirit, God has been trying to get us to move beyond wow. this so infant good level one Jesus realm into a deeper intimacy with the person of the Holy Spirit. And when you get closer to the Holy Spirit, watch this. By virtue of his name purges you. Mm. You're called, and he is called Holy Whoa. Spirit. And I think yeah. that's what happens is we just love to be in this secret sensitive place. For, that's great for salvation. When it comes to the anointing, when it comes to the glory, when it comes to mm. per pressing into his presence, you're going to crash course into the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to be like, I don't want you doing that. I don't like this. I don't like what you're thinking. Turn that off. Turn this off. I want to encourage you, Pastor, upgrade your relationship with the Lord mm. into a Holy Spirit-centered relationship. You're going to find that the fear of the Lord is going to grip you and you're going to find yourself cutting things off because, watch this, the, the rule of thumb would be if I think the Holy That's Spirit it. don't like it, That's I'm it. not going to do it. That's it. 
That's so good. You know, even the Bible says that walk in the Holy Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust oh. of the flesh. Yeah. It doesn't say that don't fulfill the lust of the flesh so you can walk in the Holy Spirit. My you know, God. so the Holy Spirit is the secret. Holy Spirit is the secret sauce. But it's interesting. It doesn't say walk in the Holy Spirit and you will not have lust of the flesh. It's just you won't fulfill them. You won't yield to them. You will overcome that. So you know, and I, you know, I want to say too, when you diminish the, when you diminish the power of sin, you are also diminishing the power of the cross. Come on. And that's that needs it. to be said because it's that's like, good. Hey, if it's not that's a big, good, if the sin's not a big deal, then the cross must not have been that's a big it. deal. So here's the thing. I'm wow. going to tell you my story. I mean, th this is, I'm just going to be very transparent. I moved from outside of Chicago to New York city to plant a church every week our bank account was going lower and lower and lower. And I'm preaching to these people. And I remember standing in the, in the crossroads and saying, I'm either going to preach the unadulterated word of God or I, I can compromise. And I'll tell you what, I started realizing that people are now spiritual, but not religious. Mm, so wow. here in New York City, churches are closing their doors, but the psychic mediums, they still have their doors open. Yep. And so it's like people started coming to the church because they're like, oh, this is spiritual. And I remember having to make a decision to say, I am not a TED talk. Come on. I am not on. a motivational speaker. Mm. Like I am preaching the word of God. And the crazy thing is Hindus, atheists, agnostics, Muslims, they started coming to church. And I preached the most brutal sermons imaginable about the, about the you know, this is sin, but this is the cross. And the crazy thing wow. happened. The crazy thing happened. The Muslims, they converted. Wow. And they accepted wow. Christ as Messiah. Wow. I remember a guy who was, you know, born and raised in a Jewish family, never knew Christ as Messiah, doubled over weeping because his wife invited him to church because she's a Catholic. Both of them are lost. And he said, I got a revelation of who Jesus really is today. And that's my story is saying I had to be courageous, uncompromised, fearless to say those things, but the results are on God. It's, you know what I'm saying? The results are on him. So good, and I wanna to say too, when you're living that high level of Christianity and God's called you to consecrate and live separate, don't compare yourself to all the other pastors you know and say, well, so-and-so so watches good. this, so-and-so drinks this, so-and-so, exactly. like, I'm going I'm going to a level, guess what? So-and-so's never gonna to get to this level, and so I'm called to a higher level, a next level of consecration. It's like David. David got the presence of God back, and the Bible says every six steps, David put down the ark and sacrificed to God. Where's the scripture that commanded David to do that? There is no scripture. Here's what David said. I'm going to go above and beyond with all these other lukewarm, watered down, yo-yo, powerless people that I'm comparing myself to. I'm going to that next level. I'm going to live above reproach because I want to make sure I never lose the presence of God again. Remember, David lost the presence of God, got it back, and then said, I'm going next level. So, God's called you to be a spiritual sniper. If you're a Navy SEAL, you don't say, well, the guys at boot camp didn't have to run 30 miles with a broken leg. I watched a documentary, y'all. This guy went 25 miles with a broken leg with 180 pounds of equipment. And they said, in the documentary, they said he was a Navy SEAL. They said, why would you guys make him do that to become a Navy SEAL? They said, because he's not a regular soldier. He's not like the guys at boot camp that just get to go and jump through a couple things and run under some dirt. He's a Navy SEAL. So if you're trying to get to that level, Level of consecration you say god i want to be used like no one's ever the world's never seen for your glory and kingdom you got to have that next level okay last one here and then i'll let you guys get off here last one here 
uh, why ministers fall. And this is overlooked. And probably, again, we've talked about a lot of stuff that's never been talked about. It's so crucial. 3,200 people are watching. The last one here is neglecting your family and sacrificing your children on the altar of ministry. I'm going to say something here, guys. It's going to help all these people in the chat here. Maybe you guys have heard me say this, but this is going to change your life. And I'm going to say something here. Write this down. Ministry only takes... Okay, ministry does not give anything to you. Ministry takes, takes, takes. It doesn't give. So here's what happens. Guys get into ministry, they get addicted to ministry because ministry does give you a high. Okay, what anyone says. <laughs> and they give themselves to the ministry thinking the ministry is going to give them pleasure, going to give them joy, going to give them satisfaction, going to give them peace. When the ministry takes from you, it takes energy, it takes passion. People will literally take and take and take till you're on your deathbed and they'll still be coming, pulling on your IVs, asking for more. And then you'll be on your, you'll be buried in the ground and you'll be a, a Christian legend and they'll come to your grave and they'll still try to suck the anointing out of your grave. And they'll take, 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 take. The only thing that's gonna give you, if you're listening to this, is gonna help you more than anything you've ever heard in your life. The only thing that will give is family. That's what gives. It's your children, it's your wife, it's your marriage, it's your legacy, it's your inheritance. Those are the ones that are gonna love you. Those are the ones that are gonna be there when everybody walks out, guess what? When you're not the flavor of the month, when you're not pulling 3,200 viewers on the live, when you only have 800 people in your broadcast or 200 or 30, and all of a sudden there's a new minister everyone's after, guess what? You're gonna leave your office like Isaiah Salvador does every night, and guess who's gonna be waiting for a kiss? Guess who's gonna be waiting for daddy to come say goodnight and pray with them before bed and pour into them? Huh. Y'all aren't gonna be waiting for me. Y'all aren't outside my door after I get off this broadcast in 30 minutes and waiting for me to pour into me and to say, I love you, I care about you. You guys are gonna be on to the next minister. So when you give your life to the ministry, and here's what guys do, they give their entire life, and this is wisdom, y'all, to the ministry, 30 years go by, their kids resent them, they can't stand yeah. them. They don't want nothing to do with them. And guess what? Daddy is now 40 years old and he's trying to reconcile with his children and his kids say, Dad, in our prime years, when we were children, when we were teach, you were obsessed with church. You gave your life to the church, to the wow. ministry. Where are those people at, Dad? And these kids resent Dude. their parents. So here's one thing, guys, I've said. I will never, as one of my kids is outside my door yelling for me, I will never sacrifice my children on the altar of ministry. If ministry ever becomes an idol or priority over my kids, now again, I'm not saying don't don't be radical in all this because you know you need to take your wife out. I'm telling you that we need to stop living our lives so addicted to ministry that our kids pay the price. Because here's what I tell guys all the time that I counsel in ministry. If you're gonna be that guy where you're addicted to ministry, guess what? Don't have kids and don't get married. And sounds like the guy, the apostle Paul said, Paul said, listen, it's better not to marry. Here's why Paul said, and Paul said, by the way, this is his, his suggestion, not the Holy Spirit. Paul makes it clear. Paul says, because if you get married, you're going to have to give your wife the desires of this world and pour into her and you'll have less time for the ministry. So it's just better to just do ministry. So if you want to be addicted to ministry, don't have kids and don't get married. If you're going to get married, this is something no one's gonna tell you. If you're going to get married and have kids, don't sacrifice them on the altar of ministry. All right, I'm done, I'm done. Someone else can talk there. But I think this is must be said because a lot of guys fall. I've had guys literally tell me this. My wife left me, my kids left me, and here's what they say, because of the ministry. Not because, now here's what they don't say. It wasn't because the ministry, it was because you neglected them and you were addicted to a drug called ministry. So don't get up here and say, oh, my kids left me and my wife because the ministry was too much for them. No, you were too much for them because you didn't know how to balance traveling, preaching, people pulling right. on you, being an ambulance service and actually doing ministry. We got to walk that line. It's a fine line, 
again, we got to be radical and do all that stuff and sacrifice, but we have to also be careful that our, our wives and our children are not paying the price for that. Someone else jump and in here. Only, and, and not only that, if you feel that the Holy Spirit is definitely placed a heavy mantle or a burden for a particular assignment, um, then include your family in Same. the assignment. So good, so good. I have a ministry marriage, and I, I don't even know if that term even exists, which means mm. my whole family is involved in the ministry. Yeah. Those of you that are in my church, my wife actually pastors my church. My Both of my sons are the musicians Same. involved in the ministry. My youngest son is my armor bearer. And yeah. I pay him to yes. serve me because I want, I want, I want him to understand that God wants to bless him as well. Wow. So, if the burden of the Lord is heavy, because I know that I carry this mantle for deliverance, what I did was from the very beginning, I took my whole family with me, and not only that, so good. I got them involved. I made my oldest son learn how to play the piano, learn how to. I said, okay, come uh, on. We bought Christmas, I bought him the Korg keyboard. I said, he was like nine and he was mad. He was like, what am I doing with this? I was like, you're going to understand this one day. You're going to learn. We got God, God called us a nation. And guess what? It blessed my heart to catch him one time when he was about maybe 13 or 14. I got up really late at night. It was about maybe two o'clock in the morning. And I went to his room because the TV was on. And you know what he was doing? He was learning how to play the keyboard on, through YouTube. Wow. Wow. And now my oldest son wow. is involved in the ministry. My youngest son is involved in the ministry. He's the one that does all the media. Get mm -hmm. your family involved rather than them just being your support system. You have a ministry family in case the Lord is calling you and giving you a burden that you can't shake. Include them with it because he not only called you, he called your whole family as well. So good. Yeah. I literally thought that driving home today, as you say that, as I was driving home with my oldest daughter, if you guys don't know, I drive her every day to school, 30 minutes there, and then 30 minutes back, 30 minutes there. So I drive like, I mean, I don't know, an hour and a half to two hours a day driving my daughter to school because I wanted to go to a good on fire Christian school. And I was thinking that today, Alexander driving home, I was like, man, my daughter's six, but I'm like in the next year or two, she's going to be old enough to be able to travel with me, even if it's once a month, but be able to go and see how the move you know see, and involve them in whatever capacity and my honestly guys my dream i'll tell my kids this as they get older again they're they're six four two and new you know seven months so they're a little bit too young to tell them this but i'm like my dream with them to not go to college and to work for ministry full time and to work in the ministry and serve god and do whatever they want to do for god i mean that's now again, if they want to go be a doctor, a nurse, a police, I'll, I'll support them in that. But my dream and my prayer is like, Lord, use them for your glory, use them for your kingdom. Um, I want them to be in the ministry to whatever capacity that they can be. So I love, I love that. If you guys want to weigh in before we end um, and say anything there. Yeah, you know, and I want to say, and I want to, I've been wanting to say this the whole night. Pastors are, and preachers are notoriously bad at giving ministry away. And, and that needs to be said. Someone is here that. I, I, I say this all the time. I don't have a ministry. Addicted. I give ministry away. That's what wow. I do. I give ministry that's away. Good, that's right? how, if the Lord tarries, that. that's how I die in peace, knowing I gave it away. And, you know, I have a, my oldest is, is 14. Shout out Bella if you're watching. But, you know, she, she always jokes and says, I've been in dad's internship for 14 Come years. <laughs> and, you know, she video edits and does all this stuff. But you know what? It's wow. her own desire. Like, I don't, I bought a piano for her. And I, I'm just telling you, Alexander, she never learned how to play it. <laughs> but, but I brought <laughs> home a, a camera and she learned how to use the camera. Okay. And so what I've done is wow. create like, hey, this is the playground for your soul. 
And I mm. want to let you taste and experiment and be a part of it. And it's a joy to do it together. And I'll tell you this, if you are not pastor, preacher, if you are not giving ministry away, you're not doing ministry correctly. So good. So good. So good. I'll read the Matthew 15, 5 and 6. And, and Jesus says, but you say, whoever say to his father or mother, or we can say that to your wife or to your children, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Mm. Then he does not need to honor his father or mother. Thus, you have you made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. And I think that we just have to be very careful. I think what, what these uh, awesome men of God mentioned, not to give to God what belongs to our family. God does wow. not. I, I don't wow. believe that ministry, God is first, ministry is second, family is third. I believe that God is everything. You can't yes. put God first. Yes. He, he can't fit. If That's God comes it. in as first, he's so big, he consumes everything else. Come on now. <laughs> so God, God is not first. The family is first. And God is everything. In Him we live, move, and have our being. When we sleep, when we walk, we yeah. live for Him. Our whole life is devoted for Him. But when it comes to priority, if we say that we love our family in our heart, but we don't love them in our schedule, they can't see our heart. They can only Drop see our bombs. schedule. They can only see the time that we are allowing for them. And so, in fact, when we when we did the, uh, uh, in the beginning of this year, the prolonged fast, I found myself, the Holy Spirit started really uh, uh, revealing an idol in my heart. And my idol was workaholism. Mm. I have more ideas than I have time to yeah. create, I have more books, more uh, courses to create, more trips to take and everything. And so, and last year I've allowed my staff, you know, to have Friday and Saturday off. And for me, I'm like, well, perfect. Now I have more time to do more stuff <laughs> for ministry. On. So I launched, I launched Vladimir Subject Ministries. I launched the school. I wrote books. I wrote like three eBooks, uh, two books, uh, released e-courses. I mean, I learned a lot of stuff on my own because I, I didn't have anybody to help me. And so I started all of that. And so I'm realizing that I gave everybody a day off and I didn't give myself a day off because I used that time to do more ministry work. And I love I don't have a problem with serving God, but God did ordain to have one day where you disconnect yes, and where yeah. you spend time with your family. You spend time with him, but you spend time with your family. And so in the beginning of the year, we're both of us at a marriage conference. I am in the middle of the fast, you know, and I'm sitting there at the marriage conference because I'm a pastor, the marriage conference in our church. And it's just like, I need to do it for a check mark and everything. And some, some kind of a guy is on a video talking about something. And I feel the Holy Spirit strong as, as he says, you're, you're an idolater. He says, you have an wow. idol in your life. And he says, that idol, is your work. He says, you're, you're addicted to work. He's like, some people are addicted to alcohol. And he says, the way you're numbing yourself and you just need to do something all the time. You can't stand still. And I was like, well, you know, and I'm justifying it in my heart and I'm remembering these scenes. My, we have a dog. I don't have children. And so we have a dog. And so my wife would come on Friday, which is my, our day off technically. And so my wife would come. I was like, let's go for a walk. And I find it frustrating and irritating. I feel like she's She's distracting me from changing the world Come and on, saving Vlad. the lost and making disciples by going to walk for a park. And so I would give in to go for a walk in the park and I would only do five minutes. I would clock it five minutes and we have to go back because I have okay, so man. much things to do. I mean, I got Say a life. I mean, I got, there's people that are being changed. And so we're sitting there at the marriage conference in February. So this is fresh. My testimony is fresh, guys. So those of you who watched my last year's sermons, you might need to not watch them, okay? Because that was an idolater. I had this issue that needed to be peeled out. And then I remember I'm sitting there and the Holy Spirit just hits me hard. And he says, I want you to stop doing work on Friday until your wife tells you that her love tank is full. 
Wow. Mm. And so, and I, but I'm like, Lord, I'm spending a Thursday night with her. We're going on a date nights, and he's like, half of the time you're talking about ministry, you're detoxing. Mm. He's like, you're not, you're not even present detoxing. half of the time there. He's, he's, just because you left the phone in the car, he says your mind is still racing about all the your new ideas and everything. And he's like, and my wife, she does ministry with me. She's on the staff with me, so we're we're doing ministry together. But she still wants that, you know, that that closeness. So it's been three months now. And I remember first time that, you know, like on Friday, we would go for a walk. And I trust you, I, I'm not a walking guy. I'm not I'm not the kind of guy. I don't do parks. I don't do walking with the dog. I don't. I did that when I was dating her. But yeah, when we got married, I'm like, I got you, girl. I'm like, I got you, girl. And so I don't need to do that no more. I don't need to pursue you. Even though in Genesis, it says that man pursues his wife. It doesn't say man pursues his girlfriend. Any boy can pursue Preach. a girlfriend. It takes a man to pursue his wife. And so, and it's been about uh, three months now. And honestly, I've been feeling even my soul being repaired from, and then at around three o'clock, four o'clock, she's like, hey, you know, if you need to do something, I was like, no, I'm good. And so, and she's like, I feel like my cup is full. So I just want to challenge the husbands. I want to challenge so the wives. Good. Is the listen, your spouse is not bottomless pit. Okay. Don't think like, oh, if I feel that, feed that monster, they're going to take my whole weekend. They're not going to let me wow. rest. Listen, there's a water, there's a cup that they have that needs to be filled. And it can't be filled with your gifts. It can't be filled with your uh, just simply trying to do a vacation to undo all the stuff that you ignore them. Take every week or take every two weeks or something and do something where you give yourself, not your money, not your gifts, but you give yourself. And then you will see how God will bless your ministry. That's been my experience with prioritizing. And honestly, Isaiah, I think that great marriage is the best protection against adultery. That's so, so good. good. You know, I was thinking today, I'm like, I feel similar to you. I have all these things in my mind I need to do. And then in my mind, I'm like, wait a minute. I also have four kids. So something has to give and it's not my kids. Wow. Like when I just, when I yep. look at my list, cause if I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something else, right? When I look at my things, a list of things to do, and I have to check off all the things I have to get done for the live stream, for the traveling, for this show and send this person. I mean, you guys know the list never ever ends when you're working for yourself and doing what we're doing. And my kids are on that list. I don't remove my kids to make sure I check everything else. I remove other things. So example, the 300 wow. of you every day that message me, you don't get a response. And here's the thing, I'm not gonna apologize for that because my children are more important than people I don't know that are messaging me, asking me a question I already Dang. answered in last night's video. So I have to choose on my list, what am I gonna be a priority? And my children, my wife, wow are on the very top. So this weekend, for example, we're going somewhere. I don't know where we're going, but we're gone, we're out. So you're not gonna see me posting and I don't post hardly even on like Instagram stories, this of my kids. And here's why, I used to do it more. I tell people, go follow my wife. She posts more pictures of my kids because in my mind, I'm like, if I'm with my kids and with my wife and I'm sitting there taking pictures, posting all the time, like I'm right. just doing ministry again. And here's the thing I know, and this sounds bad to say, but I'm, I'm, we're just exposing. Like if I post a picture of my wife and kids, I'm going to get 5,000 likes. I'm going to get like a ridiculous amount of uh, impressions. But in the other side of me is like, by posting and spending my time on my phone with them, I'm literally watching my life pass me by. Like I'm watching on my right. phone, wow. my life pass me by and I'm not seizing the day. Wow. So I very rarely post anything about my kids or my wife or anything because I wanna live enjoy my life. Moment, I, and again, wow. I'm not good at this, but I wanna live my life in the moment, enjoy wow. my family, enjoy my kids. And so the book, that I have said I was gonna write for 10 years that I haven't, the show that I was supposed to be on last month and I haven't been, the live stream idea I wanna do, the event I wanna do, the studio I wanna build, the things, all the, the Discord server I was supposed to build three weeks ago, I, I'm not even stressed out or apologizing because 
I have four little kids that need dad more than you yeah. need another word. Yeah. Like there's four of us you can get on our live stream and you're getting a word. Some of you are so overfed anyway. So I love, I just want to echo what you guys said because I love that. I've walked in that. Again, my spiritual pa uh, leader, my pastor, my uncle, he keeps me grounded in that as well. Make sure that things stay healthy. But I told my wife this weekend, we got to go because last weekend I was preaching, or uh, this last week I was preaching, I was on Sid Roth all week. I was sick the week before. She was in Alaska the week before. Like life just is so busy that you have to be intentional um, about these things. If I can add one thing, Isaiah, yeah. and that is a lot of times what happens is that we create the speed in our ministry that our family cannot keep up with. Wow. We ourselves, we are in strong. charge of our own speed. If you remember Jacob, when his brother Esau came and he said, we have 400 soldiers, we'll walk with you. The problem is the soldiers walk faster than wow. children. And Jacob says, I can't walk with you. He says, I can't keep up with you. He says, you have to go ahead. He says, I have to walk at the speed of my children, my nursing, and my so cows, my good. animals. And so he pretty much slows down his speed. He slows down. For example, I wanted to release, uh, I started writing a book this year, wanted to release it. But I really feel like I can't because I have to honor God right now with the with the day off because it's, it's mm. breaking the, if, if I break the law of the principle of Sabbath, it's after the commandment of Sabbath is where the moral commandments follow. If wow. you break that one, it will do a domino effect. Everything else will begin to fall into place. And I think if we develop a rhythm like Jesus did, he never ran anywhere. He had the world right. to save. He had everything. You never see one Jesus running. He always walked and he walked Glad so slow. Preaching. The crowd could keep up with him walked so slow that the hurting people could touch him. Some of us are so fast. We literally, people come even at the church. We're like, I'm busy, I'm busy, don't talk to me. We're never present anywhere. Right. We're, even if we're at the dinner, we're never present. We're always distracted, always on our phone and everything. And really, we need to slow down and we need to walk at the rhythm of God's grace, at the pace of God's grace. And we will see God will do more and we will do less. So and, good. And, and to add to that, for those of you that are serving under shepherds and leaders, when you see them or begin to obey God in taking that Sabbath rest, even though they're in the church, don't be sensitive to that and don't pull on them Come when you on. see that they're Come resting. Okay. Yeah. There was a time one time, maybe wow. about two two years ago, um, I kind of went through a ministry burnout at that time. We we were we were accelerating, we were on every Christian television station, you know, everything. And I, I came to church, and I think every pastor has dealt with this. You came into church and it's just like you burned out. Yeah, like you yeah. burned yeah. out, you don't want to do it, but you're gonna do it, God's gonna move. And I remember being like the sadness was on my face. I went out to the front of the, my church building and I'm, I'm in the front and I'm, I'm talking with one of my spiritual sons, you know, and he, he came up to me and he, and he just said, Hey pops, you know, you okay. And while I'm talking to him, this person that was visiting the church could see, they literally said, they literally said this to me. Oh, I can see that you're tired, but can I help you? Whoa. Can you help me? Like they yep. Li yep. literally, they, they, they acknowledged that they could see that something was Whoa. off with me and Whoa. yet did not care told me that they saw that I was tired. And then they said, oh, can you pray for me? You know, I looked at my spiritual son. Um, I kind of dealt with them and I still blessed them, but I looked at my spiritual son and I just said to him and I said, I can't believe that this person can literally, that can see that I'm drained, but doesn't care, but just literally doesn't wow. care. Watch this. I wow. ministered to this person empty. I had nothing. I literally told my son, wow. I said, I'm empty right now. They had no idea that I'm empty. Guys, listen to me. Let us not be so self-centered with our 
own needs, that when we begin to see that God has literally given the man of God rest in his spirit, that you're going to pull the little bit of anointing that they have because you got to get yours. So it's not just us wow. resting. Some of you need to rest from prayer. Some of you need a Sabbath from pulling on us, Come ministers. On. <laughs> and you need to take a break and say, you know what? In this season, I see my pastor looks like he's getting rest from the Lord. Now it's time for me to get my blessing from God himself uh, and get in my own uh, Bible and not pull on my minister when I see that they're trying to get refilled in this season. So, so good. I, okay, so we're two hours in, guys. I held you way longer than I should have. I know you guys are in New York, so it's super late. You guys probably had a long day as well. I want to uh, pray out, and then we will be doing at some point a part three at any time and we had 3200 people on here it's incredible guys let us know um actually you know what alexander if you do this would you pray us out we don't have to do like a long altar call prayer guys because we're already two hours in i don't want to you know do a long now we're starting to pray for healing and miracles i'll do that again on friday so i don't want to i don't want you guys to feel obligated but if you just pray us out i know there's people watching and they're basically just Lord, mm -hmm. I receive it. I want this. I'll say this, guys. Tonight was next level, y'all. I'm not going to say this because it's my broadcast. You do, you're do. you not going to get this anywhere. You guys just got Ruth Steakhouse right now. Like You're not going to get this anywhere. God is doing something special, powerful. Again, it's not uh, what we're doing. It's what God is doing. So people were typing in the chat a minute ago, like, this is next level. Never heard this. God is really doing something. I want to acknowledge that. God is doing something among us. But yeah, Alexander, if you would just pray us out, and then I'll have you guys share where they could follow you, find you, and then um, we'll go from there. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come in agreement, Lord, um, that those that are watching, specifically your servants, um, your ministers, Lord, and your sons and daughters who love you, Lord, and are desiring to maximize the best that you've deposited in them. Father, we're praying that tonight's broadcast, all revelation, all advice, all thoughts of wisdom be imparted unto them, Lord. Let it not be yes, a good Lord. broadcast. Let it not be information exchange. Let it be yes, impartation, Lord. Let it be embedded into yes, their heart. Lord. Let it be embedded into their mind. Mm -hmm. Lord, reach out to that man of God, Lord, to be able to not burn out, but reach out, Lord. Let mm -hmm. him reach out, Lord, those ministers. Let the Christian that's there reach out to an accountability partner so that way they can not burn out but reach out father we're praying lord that the weight of the glory of all that was spoken today be rest upon those upon the hearers live and on a replay so father so that they can lord touch you lord and be filled with your presence lord and lord fulfill your assignment for their life in jesus name amen Amen. Amen. I'm going to say something to every pastor, every person listening. You will not be a statistic in Jesus' name. We're not going to see yeah, you on. on the New York Times or on YouTube and bring come a reproach on. to Christ. You're going, to, you're going to make it. We're with you. We're fighting with you. We have the Deliverance Network. If you need deliverance, um, praise the Lord. And listen, guys, if you're not going to, if you're, I don't, I, I shouldn't even say anything about giving because if you're not going to give into this tonight, like if this is not the night where you're like, if there's ever been a time to sow, I'm going to sow tonight because I'm, well, I'm already going to be sowing into all three of them because I'm going to be sowing, but I'm going to be sowing also some of my finances into them too because tonight was just one of those very special, powerful nights. We're on episode 60, y'all, and I'm telling you, tonight was very different, very special. Starting with Alexander, we'll go Alexander, Mike, Vlad, let us know, are you streaming? What's your schedule? Do you got an event coming up? Where can we find you? I know I've linked you all in the description but um anything you want to just shout out go for it well 
first, let me say this. First of all, thank you, uh, Isaiah, for being the push and the inspiration and helping our ministry uh, upgrade to the next level on yeah. YouTube and other social media outlets. Mm -hmm. Just letting everyone know, uh, Isaiah is my YouTube spiritual father. <laughs> he has literally thrusted us. So I want to encourage everyone. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, but on YouTube. The link is in the chat room, and I look forward uh, to connecting with you guys. We have some things prepared down the line. The only reason we haven't fully launched it is, remember, guys, I'm still pastoring a church yeah. in the middle of a pandemic, so it right. takes a lot longer for me to kind of get things in order because my church is my primary focus right now. But we have our online community in mind. Just follow us on YouTube, follow us on Facebook, and thank you for all of your support on those two platforms. Love it. Mike, where can we find you? What's going on? Yeah, first of all, Isaiah, thanks so much for facilitating this. I mean, it feels groundbreaking. And I just want to say, uh, I want all of you to share this with a pastor, with a preacher, yes. with a minister, because I yes. actually believe if you'll be faithful to text this, the link or share it and tag them, whatever you have to do, that there's going to be more that happens in the next couple of days after this airs. Yes, I believe. Yes. So be faithful to do that. Like do it now if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, I'd say the same thing. Isaiah is my spiritual father over YouTube as well. He doesn't know it yet, but I'm just making official. So <laughs> Instagram's cool, but- um, He's our apostle. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm working on it. So yes, awesome. We're taking over YouTube, guys. I need help. So we're gonna take over, and uh, they're gonna they can they can't get away from us on YouTube. So we're taking over. Where can we find you, Vlad? Um, yes, I'm also uh, I, I'm also Isaiah is my spiritual father, <laughs> and, uh, on YouTube. Actually, seriously, ever since um, Isaiah came, I tried to stream last year for a little bit, and I was actually the one that many years ago I told Isaiah, I was like, hey, yeah, you, you need to be posting more. Me. Yeah, and because uh, Isaiah was even bashing social media on this sermon, so I was like, "Hey, bro, you <laughs> gotta, you gotta be posting." <laughs> I was like, "You gotta get on it." And then when he started streaming, it, I was really encouraged. And then last um, a few months ago, when he came, we honestly stayed up all, pretty much almost all night. And then yeah. afterwards, I couldn't sleep after that. God started downloading that when he started sharing the people that are being impacted. And so I start streaming now on Thursdays. I won't do this Thursday though, um, but resume it next one because I'm going to be out of town. But uh, we start streaming. It's been six weeks now or five weeks. People have been getting delivered. The YouTube, I think, grew like almost 300% in like Crazy. four weeks. Amazing, it's explosive. Amazing. And so a huge thank you, Isaiah. And so you guys, the links are there. I do have a fight back and break free book. Uh, they're available. You can download it for free on my website. And then also I have uh, Vlad School. It's like an, um, a virtual school that you can download. Uh, and it's also free of charge, all of this stuff. If you want to uh, buy it, you can buy it on Amazon, but it's, it's available for free. So, but thank you, Isaiah, for the opportunity. So good. And here. so Vlad, Vlad's been through module one of the YouTube school and uh, Alexander and Mike haven't been through module one, but Vlad's go going on to module two. So we have him in uh, the YouTube Academy that we're working on. And I spent, <laughs> guys, I spent over a hundred hours learning about YouTube. So I, I'm blessed to be able to help. And I'm, you guys know, once I start, talking about YouTube, I go for four hours. I'm all about the algorithm. Mike, when you said we're teaching you guys the algorithm, I was like, oh man, my ears perked up because I'm an algorithm nerd. I love it. So I know it's just the beginning. Um, I know it's the beginning of what God is doing for his glory, for his kingdom. So guys, we got to do a part three. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. I'm going to be you. sending you guys all something right when I get off the broadcast and then we'll definitely stay in touch. Thanks guys so much for being on here. Awesome. All right, guys, we'll talk soon. Take care. All right, guys, here's the, th here's the deal, guys. If you're going to sew, 
Like, this is the time for you guys to sow. Tonight's the night. Again, I want to bless every single one of them, and there is three of them on there, so I'm going to be giving to all three of them. So help me sow into them. Put your put your seed in good ground. We're not beggars. We're believers. As Vlad said, his book's free. Guys, we're not in this for income. We're in this for outcome. So sow into the ministry. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.